Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And welcome back to an episode of the Cooler Jets podcast where it's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, we've been running this podcast for, uh, I think, what, three seasons now? We did 2019, 2020. This is, so this is the third season. I think we've had something good to talk about in season, may, maybe two or three times, three times, three times. I would say the Cowboys game in 2019 and the two wins this year. You could maybe throw in the, the Jets losing at the last minute to the Raiders 2020. Regardless... The vast majority of this podcast has been depressing. And after Sunday, it doesn't even seem like it's going to get any better. I mean, is this the low point? Is this rock bottom? Like, is there anything up from here? Or is it just going to keep being, are we just going to keep doing this podcast, um, you know, to just be miserable uh, every week? I don't know. Because with this team, it always feels like that you're at rock bottom. And then there's a rockier bottom beneath that rock bottom. And then beneath that, there's another rock bottom. So, um, I think that's been the most frustrating part of the season is the fact that, I mean, we all expected to lose games, but the fashion that they're losing games is the same exact same exact style that we're used to blowouts um, starting the season slow, because even if they do finish the season hot, which would be great, um, you know, when you start the season cold, you lose the aspect of feeling like you're contending and competing very quickly and the games right. lose uh, those stakes and we haven't been able to watch them play you know, high stakes football in October for a long time now, probably since 2018, uh, even if you want to consider that competing, although they were three and three that year. Um, but yeah, it, that's been the most frustrating part. But uh, there are a lot of aspects that are different in good ways, even though they are getting blown out quite consistently. Um, but uh, it's definitely been frustrating to see them be um, this bad, as even though we knew that they're going to lose games. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough because the defense is so bad, but I do think this is better than last year. I know you were saying that they're even worse uh, in many ways. I mean, the defense is certainly worse. Um, I do think just the team outlook is a lot brighter. I mean, I do believe in solace still. I know that's maybe a controversial opinion at this point. Um, I do like the way a lot of the rookies are playing and they did beat two contending teams in the AFC. So there's like a little bit more, but the defense has been so bad they're just so young and inconsistent. They battle injuries, but every team does. I mean, I think, you know, a few months ago, and I just brought this up to Michael, we were talking, we were debating some basketball. I'm a Blazer fan. He's a Knicks fan. And we were going back and forth. And Michael was very optimistic about the Knicks season. And hey, I know we probably have a lot of Knicks, list, uh, Knicks fans that listen, and there's plenty of time left in the season. But I just kind of pointed out maybe some of the flaws in the team. And, uh, you know, he responded. And it was just interesting to see Michael's perspective on a different team, because I think Michael and I are often on the same wavelength. Um, what I learned from that conversation is I think just as fans, we got to just lower our expectations a peg or two every single time, because it just every year, 
I mean, I, we were just talking about this before the podcast. Every single year we go into it saying, okay, they're going to have a losing season, but if they're competitive, then next year they can have a good off season and they can compete for the playoffs. I mean, that has been the plan since like 2016, 2017. So it's just like um, the way I look at it is like, I think it's a young team. I think it's going to take solid two or three years. I, I kind of think it, the Jets won't be a good team until two years from now. I think next year they're going to be better and fun, but I'm not, I don't think they're going to be a good team until uh, 2023. Um, and that's just the reality of things. I mean, I, I, Michael, do you, do you agree with that statement? Do you think there, it's possible to rebuild things faster than the Jets have? I know there are a lot of teams that maybe have, but you have to remember the Jets have been in such a bad position, especially with drafting that there aren't many teams that were in a worse position than the Jets have been uh, over the last you know, eight years or so. Yeah, I mean, the thing about rebuilding, and, and like you said, we've kind of been laying out this three-year model for a long time. Like in 2017, it was wait until 2019, that'll be our year. Or when we got Darnold, wait until year three, 2020 will be our year. Uh, then you win two games that season, as it turns out. So, you know, the rebuilding isn't always linear. Some teams turn around very quickly. Like, look at the Patriots. Um, look at the Eagles and Carson Wentz's second year is when they made their Super Bowl run. Um, the Bills, Josh Allen's second year is when they go to the playoffs. Obviously, obviously it took him three years to hit his peak, but in terms of the team, year two, playoffs. Um, so it is different. Some teams take a lot longer than that. The Bengals have been bad for a pretty long time um, until hitting, uh, getting back into contention, contention this year, although their rebuild is a little bit quicker in a way because last year they were a very bad team, and then they're right back into playoff contention this year without that midpoint of being a seven, eight-win team. So, you know, it's always different, but in terms of the coaching staff and just their approach to the way that they're building right now, as frustrating as it is, I mean, Jeff Ulbricht just went out and pretty much confirmed all the concerns that fans have in terms of stubbornness and not adjusting things. Um, You know, he came out and he said that we're not going to make drastic fundamental changes to the scheme and things like that. Um, It's frustrating. And I think that objectively there are slight adjustments they can make. Quinn and Williams can play more snaps. You can blitz less on third down, blitz more in the early downs, be more unpredictable, defend screens better, things like that. And they're very, this is the worst defense in Jets history right now in terms of points per game. So there are a lot of warranted criticisms, but overall, I think that approach that they have is something that this team hasn't had and is different, a firm commitment to that long-term build. This idea that, we are going, this is how we want to do it. We're going to instill this in these players so that they understand how we're going to play. We're going to find players in the off season that fit what we do. And we're making it clear what our identity is. And that makes it easier to build long-term and it helps you develop the talent that you do have over multiple years, which is how you get to that sustained level of winning. So it is frustrating right now. And the results are like we said at the beginning, bad, to an extent that we were not ready for. And it's definitely more than what's acceptable, but at the same time, they are still maintaining that long-term vision. And in the off season over the years, if the players that they draft can develop well, acclimate to what they're trying to instill, if they can add the players that, you know, fit their scheme, which a lot of those players aren't playing right now, Carl Lawson, Vinny Curry, LaMarcus Joyner, um, then this can work long-term and there are, very ugly growing pains right now. And this has to be better. You, you can't, you know, completely just justify giving up 45 points three times in four games, getting blown out in pretty much all their seven losses. You can't justify that. They do need to be better over these next eight games 
for you to feel truly confident that this is going to work long-term. Um, but the mentality I think is right. And it's just going to come down to whether they can execute it long-term and it's hard to evaluate it right now because of how depleted the roster is with all the injuries, especially on defense. And even offensively, you've had no, you've had no Becton. Zach's been out for a while now. The wide receivers were in and out of the lineup early in the season. Tevin Coleman's been in and out. Fortunately, the offensive line, other than Becton, has actually been pretty healthy. But, you know, with the injuries, it makes you it hard. You just jinxed that for the Sunday, by the way. Yeah. George Fant's going out. Okay, all right. AVT is right. going out. I, that was a reverse jinx right there because I was, okay. had to – acknowledged it. I had to acknowledge it. Um, okay. But, yeah, so I think the overall mentality is correct. It's just they can do a better job in the short term of um, fostering more competitiveness because that does help long-term development. You can't just watch the you can't just watch the team get killed over and over again and think development's going to happen naturally. That's a legitimate criticism. They have to be better at that. And I think starting Joe Flacco kind of does play into that because that is a let's win this game against Miami move. Um you know, choosing him over Mike White, I think it helps you win this game, build that momentum, get guys in a better position to play well and compete. So I think in that respect, that's a good move. So overall, I think I still believe in the staff and I think the long-term vision is there. It's frustrating the stubbornness right now. And I think it can be better objectively, but at the same time, I still think that their heads are in the right place in terms of the long-term vision. And it's going to come down to, you know, much more so than, whether these backup safeties and backup linebackers can play well and whether Mike White or Joe Flacco starts while Zach Wilson is out, all these insignificant decisions while the team is two and seven, it's going to be much less about that and much more about the moves they make this offseason going into year two to fill all these holes that have been revealed during this terrible first year. Um, and can the guys drafted in 2021 with the whole year of, you know, firmly believing in these ideals that you're trying uh, to establish, can they can that be used for them to ve- develop in a big way going into their second year because they've had a whole year firmly committing to one ideology and culture and scheme. So long term, I still like the vision, but over these last eight games, it's going to be important to definitely show some legitimate signs of progress. Yeah, I think the thing that is, helps me is that it wasn't a fast process in San Francisco. It did take them. That third year is the year they went to the Super Bowl. But the first year, they lost a ton of games. The second year, uh, Garoppolo gets hurt, and they lost a ton of games. Um, and it's not like, you know, especially with this defense. You know, with Gase, it was like, you know, is this offense ever going to get it together? Um, we had never really seen that offense together. I mean, you saw it with Peyton Manning, you know, running that. And that was essentially just like a coach on the field. With this defense, we have seen it. And I guess you can argue that they had a great defensive line, but the Jets have a good defensive line. Another offseason, they could have a great defensive line, especially with Carl Lawson coming back. It's like we have seen this defensive scheme be one of the best uh, in NFL history when you look at the 2019 uh, Niners roster. So it's like I do have faith um, in them to get it together. I, I, I think you're right. I think this team is one that makes a lot of mistakes, especially on the defensive side of the football. I think that's that's one thing. And you could argue that is on coaching. Um but I just think it's one of those things where, you know, schematically, they're not going to change things in midseason as much as maybe some fans are hoping. Like you said, you can look at kind of what the offense did um, during that Cincinnati game. People were coming back. I guess it was more after the bye. Um, you know, we were talking about, oh, this team needs to throw on, on first down more often. They need to uh, use wide zone more often. They need, you know, there were a lot of things that they could do, but they weren't going to fundamentally change their entire offense. And that's what kind of what you'd want to see over the defense. I will say this. I do think right now is 
probably and like uh, this is uh, this is gonna put me right on the the clown reel again this is probably the low point of the season i would say because we kind of always knew the next six games are the easiest stretch of the jet schedule i do expect them to get zach wilson back and look uh, there's always unforeseen injuries or zach wilson could be terrible or this defense can keep getting hung out to dry but i think right now post bills game which by the way they're a super bowl team let's be honest about it I think that's this is the lowest part of the season. Would you agree with that, Michael? Do you think it gets better from here on out? Even if it doesn't get great, I think this is probably the lowest point. Um, at least, you know, on the outset of the season, that's kind of what, you know, we, we saw that the, the opening part of the schedule is going to be tougher than the, the middle to late part. I mean, I think so, but there also is, you know, because the teams are worse, there is that potential for the losing would be worse because, you know, you expect to lose to Buffalo, the Colts on the road, but you start losing home games to Miami and, games against Houston that rock like like I said earlier that rock bottom there could be another worse rock bottom beneath it but I do I do think that they will hit a stride here over these next eight games we'll see about those last two it depends on where Tampa Bay and Buffalo are in terms of the seeding race which how uh, the way things look right now it does seem like they'll both be playing for something Uh, so those will be tough games to win but um, the next six games I think they definitely have a chance to split them Miami at Houston, home for the Eagles and Saints, who are now without James Winston, then at Miami and home for Jacksonville. I think they can definitely split that and maybe even not going to be too optimistic. Maybe they can get four out of them. That would be amazing if they could do it. But I do think they can split these games. And these next eight games are going to play a big role in determining how confident we are in the staff, in this team, and most importantly with Zach Wilson going into uh, 2021 or 2022. And I think it is very important. It's not just, you know, let's build some confidence, build some momentum, whatever, because the staff needs to prove, like I was talking about, that their commitment to doing the same thing and not changing it. And, you know, let's allow these guys to learn. They need to prove that that can have results. And right now we're not seeing that. You know, it's great to sit here and say that things will get better over time, but right now they're just getting worse at least on the defensive side and even on offense the last couple games um, took respective steps back. Although that overall offense is trending in a good direction. Right. But the staff has to show that they can foster improvement and it's most important what they do next year than compared to this year. But you would just like to see some signs that make slight adjustments, put guys in slightly better positions and let's get better and let's improve and let's see that guys uh, are benefiting from this culture. Do you think it's more of a personnel or a coaching issue at this point? Because when I go back and watch the offense, I do see a lot of mistakes, either by the quarterback or an offensive lineman blows a block or receiver falls down or there's a drop or the tight end doesn't hold a block, you know, whatever it is, or the running back picks the wrong hole. I I do feel a little bit better about the offense when I watch it. And you can see, especially after watching Mike White operate it, you can see, oh, okay, you should take the check down here. And it's always easier to be watching the all 22 and not be on the field, but you know, especially from a quarterback decision-making standpoint, you can see, Oh, this guy would have been open. Or if this block holds up, this play would, you know, be good against this coverage. Um, So the offense, I, I I feel like there's definitely a, it's a talent thing and, you know, getting used to the scheme defensively though, they make a lot of mistakes, but it does seem kind of like they're out of position a lot. So do you think this is more of a coaching or a talent issue? Obviously it's both, but which one um, is affecting the team more? Yeah, I think it is a good blend, but I would probably lean towards, defensively I would lean towards coaching offensively I'd lean towards talent but it's definitely big time talent on, on both sides I I just watched um all the defensive film today from the Bills game and I just can't help but notice there are so many times that I got to pause it 
and check the roster to see who all these random numbers are because this team has so many backups and third string and fringe fringe roster guys. And, and that goes and that field. goes to what we've been talking about. I mean, the poor drafting over the last decade or so. It's that those are the type of guys that are supposed to be guys you drafted either three years ago or they're rookies now. Instead, the guys the Jets drafted three or four years ago are off the roster, and the, the Jets the rookies the Jets drafted now, even day three rookies, are starting. So it's like then you lead to having to sign guys off practice squads and waivers to be to fill those you know important death roles. Because throughout a football season, you're just going to have so many injuries. I mean, that's kind of why this this rebuilding process for the Jets may take longer than a lot of other teams. Right. And and injuries are a big part of it, too. It always feels like a cop out, but they've definitely de- defensively gotten well above average, you know, damage from injuries this year. Because, you know, Hamza Nasruddin and Jamie and Sherwood are supposed to be out there right now taking their lumps and improving. But instead, we have random guys like Delshawn Phillips and Quincy Williams out there. Um, and Jared Davis looks like in a bad free agent signing right now. Yeah, play, he's been, play Quincy. Uh, yeah, he's been all the negative stuff about Quincy Williams without the occasional amazing play. So that one's looking pretty bad. But other than that, you know, there's guys like Ronald Blair, um, Hamill Carvashed, Gerard Wilson, Sherrod Neesman, all these guys who were never supposed to play, if they're even on the roster at all when, you know, September rolled around, who are playing big roles for this team and making big mistakes. So, um, it's promising in the fact that, you know, these guys are not going to be here next year, hopefully, uh, or at least aren't supposed to be a big part of the future. Um, and they're part of the struggling right now, but you know, there are things I think the coaching can do better with like Quinn Williams can play more snaps right now. He's only playing about 60%. And a lot of the other star three techniques in the league usually play 75, 80%. So, and that's hurting them right now because when they went into the season with that, amazing deep defensive line it made a lot of sense let's rotate them keep them fresh because you know you could take starters out and have someone good to replace them now you're replacing with nathan shepherd and hamilcar rashad and rotating all these bad players in and it doesn't really make sense to be giving him such a small snap count relative to what players of his caliber usually get so i think he could play a little bit more and it is frustrating a lot of the you know, underneath production, they give up not in in the run game. I think it's a lot of just the players being bad. I'm not sure how they could fix that besides the players just clamping down. But in terms of the screens and stuff, a lot of times it's just a one-on-one at open field or even a numbers advantage for the offense. And that's just losing the chess match in terms of you calling a blitz. The offense knows you're going to call it and they catch you on the outside with a good advantage. So um, I think their defensive play calling is kind of predictable they can give more snaps to Quinnen, rotate less in the defensive line right. just because they don't have as much depth now it seems like it seems like they're still operating as if those injuries never happened and, and right. they didn't That's adjust when you know you lose carlos and you lose Vinny curry bryce huff's out now let's lean towards the starters a little bit ask them to take on a bigger workload because that's what the injuries are calling for right you can't be caught 40 percent of the game with your whole second string in there when those guys are Zuniga and Rashad and Blair. So um, there are some adjustments they can make offensively. I think offensively, the body of work now is starting to look acceptable. You know, I mean, they had back-to-back 30 point games. They're starting to look competent. We knew it was going to be growing pains, but they're starting to show some progress. Um, And I think LaFleur has started, you know, when the quarterbacks have been on their game, I think we've seen how good this offense can be. Um, So I'm much more concerned about the defense right now. Wouldn't you agree? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I felt a lot better about the, it was even just watching the, the Patriots game um, when Zach was playing and you could just see a lot of the things where it's like, um, you just, you can't get away with that. You can get away with that in college and you can't get away with it in the NFL, but it's a simple fix. I mean, just, it, it was coming down to his timing, but you could kind of always see the, um, the open man or, okay, this, this, you know, Ryan Griffin getting blown up on a block or McGovern GVR whiffing. And now he's under pressure under a second. It's like, Oh, okay. Another off season bolstering the talent. You can kind of see what this, this offense is going to look like. Whereas like under Gase, you'd see three guys running the same route all by each other. Not to say that didn't happen with the floor earlier in the season, but it would just be like, wh- what's the idea here? Like what identity of football are we going to be? I also think losing back to when you talk about injuries, the plan to be able to run the football was never because the Jets have a, had an amazing offensive line. It was because they had Becton and Vera Tucker next to each other. And that was the, the, the way the Jets are going to be able to pound the football. So offensively, the, the, the offense is built around running the football and they haven't been able to. LaFleur is just there. They've become a much more pass happy offense and they've looked all right. But when they do get Becton back or maybe after another offseason or whatever, um, I think you're going to be able to see the Jets do what they plan to do, which is run left. I mean, that's how you get, if it's first and 10, you want to make it second and six run left. I mean, every time back then in Vera Tucker, not maybe not every time, but most times they should be able to open up that hole. And that's what you're excited about. But defensively, I think Bryce Huff has been a huge injury. I mean, since he's gone down, Lawson's had to take a bigger role on and he's just done nothing. I mean, outside of that pick against Cincinnati, He's done nothing. I mean, Bryce Huff was at least collapsed in the pocket and he was getting some sacks. I'm not saying Bryce Huff is a world beater, but at least as a pass rusher and in the future, maybe a rotational pass rusher, he was a good football player. The problem with this defense is, is it takes away a lot of pressure from the corners, which I like. Okay. You don't have to have amazing corners. You just have to have competent corners, which for the most part, the jets do. I mean, I think they need to add one more and move Bryce Hall to cornerback number two, or bring in somebody who's cornerback number two, whatever it is. I'm not really comfortable with Eccles and I guess it's now it's Isaiah Don or whatever. I mean, maybe they'll, they should get better as the season goes on, but okay. There's still a hole there, whatever the defensive line when healthy is supposed to be all out attacking front and when healthy. And if a good defensive line, they're going to get there in, in two, three seconds every time. I mean, they should be, and that's why you're rotating. You always want fresh bodies to keep winning those fights inside. The problem is, is it puts a lot of stress on the linebackers and the safeties and the jets have awful linebacker and safety groups right now. I mean, that's the way I see it. I see the reason this defense is so historically bad right now is because they just don't have any linebackers or, or safeties. Right. I mean, safety spot in particular with no May and Ashton Davis playing significant reps. And like you're saying, I mean, they got Wilson and Neesman, all these guys that weren't ever supposed to play. There's so much stress on this defense on the safety and linebackers to be able to be instinctive and reactive. And they have to have that all gas, no break mentality. But when you watch them, I mean, you, you mentioned draw Davis. Troy Davis has fallen over his two feet every single play. Ashton Davis is second guessing his every move or over committing or uh, not taking the right angle or choosing the wrong guy. I mean, like the safety and linebacker is the big issue with this team. If the defensive line was better, like it was in the beginning of the season, I think it, it masks a lot of the issues, but because the defensive line due to injuries is not getting the pressure it needs to get, you're seeing, Oh yeah, these linebackers and safeties are awful. So I'm concerned about it for this season, but long-term, I'm still not that concerned about it yet. I think the thing you can be concerned about, like you're saying, is there is a lack of adjustments being made. But I get the fact that, okay, look, you're trying to instill a system, a long-term program, and you want these guys to get the reps in this system. You can only really build off of it and run more complex concepts once they've got the base down. Once these guys have seen every look, for every defense they're running and they get a full season of running it. So I kind of understand it from that perspective, but look at a certain point, 
if the defensive line's not getting after it, you have to help your safeties and linebackers out. Um, and the Jets are just getting torn apart right now. They're playing a lot of vanilla because they can't play the more complex stuff due to the injuries. And, and since that Atlanta game, defense or offense has just seen how to beat them. So that's the way I view things. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I think I can already tell, but I haven't, obviously we haven't seen the YouTube comments. I can guarantee you there's somebody down there who's, who's going up against us saying we're too optimistic. I think I'm generally not, this is going to my earlier point. Maybe we are sometimes. I think I'm trying to bring down my expectations. My new rule of thumb is going to be to subtract two wins from every single uh, season right. prediction I make exactly. from now on. Because that generally would turn out to be mostly accurate. But I think I'm trying to be a realist. And I'm, I don't think the sky is necessarily falling. Are there things to be concerned about? Yes. But I think the biggest issue right now is talent. And does that fall on Joe Douglas? Yes and no. I think... You know, he, he, this is the problem is everybody's so impatient, which is granted, you know, that's fair because they've been so bad, but this is really Joe Douglas's second year. And in terms of building the program, it's kind of year number one. I mean, because they have a new coaching staff, now they're drafting for players for the scheme. It's to me, it's like, they haven't really had that much time, even though it feels like Douglas has been here a while. His big issue is free agents because as a drafter, I think, look, it's been two drafts and we haven't seen the full results of either of them. So I don't want to annoy him anything, but I'm, I've been very happy with his draft process. We'll see how everything turns out, but I, I'm very confident, especially with the Jets having, you know, four picks in the first two rounds. I think that's hopefully four new starters. The Jets can add at least three. So I'm, I'm happy with his, his drafting. His big issues has been in free agents. You know, he, I get his strategy and that's why it's taking longer than other ones. He's not taking as many risks in free agency. He, he you know, he, if you look at, Every position group in free agency, for the most part, they have like one great guy who hits the, who hits the market. You know, maybe one great guy hits the market, if that. I mean, a lot of times there's not even that guy. But there's one great guy. This year at Edge, Carl Lawson. Joe Douglas went for him because he knew, okay, that's a blue-collar player, a blue-chip player. You know, we're not going to get into a crazy bidding war, but we're going we're gonna to push the chips in for that guy. But a lot of times what we've seen in Jets history, okay, they don't get that guy. They go and overpay option number two, who, you know, is probably ended up worth – being worth five to $7 million left and less. And I think that's been his big issue. Um, but he's, yeah, he's whiffed on Jared Davis, who had, honestly, that one is the worst one because, and you don't you never know how the injury is affecting him, but that one was an overpay. We were also kind of separate. That was their first free agent they signed this year. So that's concerning. He missed on McGovern. He wasn't aggressive enough at guard and Greg Van Roten has been a bad free agency signing. Corey Davis, I still like, but he's not a receiver number one, which is fine. You know, we kind of, we were hoping he could be a solid receiver number two. Now I'm kind of hoping that maybe he can be, uh, have a future at the jet slot position, or maybe he just is a, you know, a number two receiver. But like you were saying, he has like the most drops, the most fumbles, the most targets leading to interceptions his entire career. Um, so you just look around Douglas's free agency has been the issue with this team, but as far as his drafting, I've been a big fan of. As far as his trading, I've been a big fan of. I thought a lot of his, uh, I, don't, I shouldn't say a lot. He's had some good additions as far as undrafted free agents or waivers when you look at Bryce Huff or John Franklin Myers. I think the issues are with free agency. And, you know, hell, if we want to throw more criticism, you could add maybe some of the extensions he's given out. Because Ryan Griffin was a bad extension. John Franklin Myers I still like, but he hasn't shown up the last month. So that's, you know, if we're trying to be balanced, I'll criticize him there. Um what have you been your thoughts on Joe Douglas's free agency? Do you think that's the biggest issue that this team is in this position and that the, the rebuild and the turnaround is going to take longer than maybe we would have hoped? Yeah, I think free agency is definitely probably his from a team building point of view. There are three major ways to build your team trades, draft and free agency. And 
trades, he's been very good. I think we can say that. Um, draft looks way too early to officially grade anything. But like you said, good process, good early results. Looks okay so far. Um, free agency definitely has probably been a negative for him so far. Right now, Corey Davis, um, I mean, he hasn't been bad necessarily. He's averaging over 60 yards a game. His four touchdowns in seven games. But he's a career-high five drops already, career-high two fumbles. They've thrown five interceptions when targeting him. And a lot of those have been his fault. The slip route against Tennessee, the tip up in the air against New England, the pass that went through his hands against New England. So he's been a part of a lot of turnovers and a lot of botched big plays. And his ability to win against man coverage hasn't been there. Uh, he's top 10 in yards per route run against zone coverage, which is great. But in man coverage, he's in the bottom 20% which is not what you need from your top guy. And that's why Jets struggled against the Pats and struggled against the Bills this week is because Corey Davis isn't separating when teams challenge uh, the Jets with man coverage. So he's a, he's a good player. But we're seeing now that if he's your number one guy, that he's not necessarily ready to take that on. Let's go back to the next, like you talked about. I think we're starting to see Julius Randle maybe isn't ready to be, or not ready, just isn't that number one guy uh, like he looked uh, like he was at points last year. Um, he's not handling that role well this year. And Corey Davis, as much as he is a good, talented player, probably isn't uh, that number one guy like the Jets hoped he would be. Right. So, and, and, and like just, yeah, just for example, you know, we'll go back right to you in a second, but like, let's just say the Jets were to add, I don't think he hits the market, but look, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to use him as an example because he's one of the better free agent wide receivers. Like, let's say the Jets get Chris Godwin, which won't happen. One, he's not going to hit the roster. Two, one time with the Jets. But let's just say that because I'm trying to think of like a good receiver that could hit the market. I think in that type of situation, that's when you can see Corey Davis really shine, kind of like what you're saying, because it's like, oh, you know, one, you either play him in the slot and you play more in Godwin outside, um, or two, you play him as the number two in Godwin's the number one outside. But I think you take that pressure away from him, and like you said, that's where he's going to shine. But right now the jets, what they're doing is especially when Zach Wilson was playing, he was the guy. I mean, Zach Wilson had Corey Davis tunnel vision the first six weeks of the season. And I think that's kind of the reason you're seeing he's, you know, he's wearing pants that are too big for him is kind of what it seems like. He's, he's not, you know, he didn't reach the super optimistic expectation. I don't even want to say expectations, hopes that we could have had for him, but he's still a good player. He's still the player that we kind of thought he was, and he's still the player he was in Tennessee. So that one, I you can't necessarily call that a whiff, yeah, but it depends what the Jets do over the next few offseasons to build around him and see what they do with him at, at the receiver core. Yeah, and like in Tennessee, Elijah Moore's former teammate, A.J. Brown, gets drafted in the second round, overtakes him, and that's when Corey Davis breaks out when A.J. Brown is there as that go-to guy, and then now Corey Davis can do what he does as or do what he did as the number two guy. Um, maybe Elijah Moore can do the exact same thing that Brown did, overtake him as the number one guy by the end of this year. Um, but the Jets should uh, be open if there's a guy out there like Godwin or even in the draft, um, be open to taking a potential true number one type of guy if Elijah Moore doesn't yeah. prove himself as that by the end of the year or if they're not confident he can be that, which I they, think he definitely can be. And, and they could do that in the draft or you could do what the Bills did and they went out and got Stephon Diggs. I mean, right. you know, it's not a great example now because – OBJ has left Baker, but you know, with the Browns, they went and got him out of Beckham Jr. When you have a young quarterback, I think it's imperative that you go get him that elite number one. I think Elijah Moore can develop into a very good receiver. I think Corey Davis is a fine receiver. And maybe you end up drafting a guy who turns into, like you said, AJ Brown, but 
I think receiver is a spot that he should definitely be sniffing around the trade market, looking at free agency um, to try to get an elite guy um, in the offseason. But that's that's a ways away. Yeah. And to go back to what we were talking about with free agency, overall, it's been hit or miss. You know, I mean, more miss than hit. Definitely. But, um, what, what are the hits? I guess I would say George is a good one. Uh, but before, before the price tag, he's not. You know, yeah, you're got, probably right. Like, I agree with that. A lot of people were against that signing. And George Fan has actually turned out to be, especially a left tackle, which is what he signed to play and what he wanted to play. And then the Jets drafted Beckton and he got moved to right tackle. He's been fine. I mean, he's not an amazing run blocker, but I've been fairly impressed with George Fan. You know, um, week one at right tackle was a nightmare. But, you know, when Beckton comes back, we'll see if maybe that was an aberration and see him at right tackle again. Uh, maybe he returns next year. So I agree with that. But with the price point, no. Carl Lawson, I think, w- would have been a win. But now with the injury, you never know how a guy re- rebounds from an Achilles surgery. Um, I had Achilles surgery as a kid. Never been an explosive athlete. So take that information as you want. Um, and that injury itself is like, okay, that has to be a whiff. Uh, as we said, Davis, obviously a miss. Gerard Davis, obviously a miss. Corey Davis, Croft has been disappointing. Croft has been disappointing. Greg Van Roten. Connor McGovern's a big miss for sure, because that was a guy that when they signed him, it's like, okay, they got a competent center. They got, you know, they got a center for the future. It's like, okay, I don't think McGovern should be starting this year unless it's at right or next year, unless it's potentially a right guard competing with a young player. Um, you just look around. I don't think he really has any big free agent, you know, hits. I guess John Franken Myers, but that's not really a free yeah, agent. I was going to say, like, like, he's probably better with. He's done decent with those scrappy kind of pickups. Franco Myers, you looked on draft or free agency. Right. Bryce Huff. I guess that's more draft. Um, are there any other good scrappy pickups? He's not scrappy, but just, you know, cheaper. Quincy Will- sort of guys. Williams. Quincy Williams, you could throw in there. Braxton. Barrios. I would also say Sheldon Rankins is a miss this year. He's been very bad against the run. Um, oh, so yeah. yeah. Case in I point. think, I, yeah. So I think you're right. The free agency is definitely a big. Yeah, just going through it right now, it's hard. It's hard to find good stuff he's done in free agency. So that's definitely um, Thomas Morstead. That, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah Thomas so. Morstead's a good one, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's just like the free agency is is, is holding this team back. But oh, again, uh, Morgan there are a Moses. Lot of, Morgan Moses is a good one. I'll give him mixed that. mixed bag. Yeah, I'd say that's. Good. I'll because like you know, at the point it's I come up without, because if they didn't get right. him then it would be Doga out there. I think Moses has struggled in pass pro, but it would be a lot worse if they didn't have him. Right. And I guess, I guess Tevin Coleman, who seemed kind of maybe more like a coach's free agent signing, he's been all right. Um, but yeah, the point is, is that, look, I think that's a big reason why the rebuild is taking longer. Um, but at the end of the day, there are a lot of good teams who are not big players in free agency, but it's just going to take longer. There are a lot of, honestly, a lot of the top teams aren't. But when you're trying to turn things around and, I don't want to say relatively quickly, but with, you know, some sort of pace here, you can't be missing on your free agent. So I do think next year he's going to be a little bit more aggressive, but I don't think he's going to necessarily change his tone. I just think, you know, if there's a blue chip guy in the market, he's going to push his chips in, maybe overpay for him, but he's not going to go and overpay for a guy that they're not sure of just to improve that position. You know, just if the guy is better than what they have, doesn't mean he should get paid way over market value when they trust in, in their drafting. And then every year you add that those draft picks and those draft picks soon become a, a you know, a, a pipeline of talent that are, aren't starting immediately. That's when you're going to see things change. Um, so that's kind of the way I view it. I mean, is that too optimistic? Maybe. Um, but I do, you know, 
I've been plenty critical of this team in the past. I don't, I think they're obviously terrible right now, but I'm not, I'm not at the point yet where like the sky is falling. They need to fire Joe Douglas. They need to fire Salah. I'm just kind of like, all right. I mean, this is shittier than we thought it was going to be, but you know, I still think there's a path out of here, especially when you look at San Francisco's uh, path when they hired Kyle Shannon and they had Robert Sala. It took them a few years. Um, I guess we should talk about the QBs. I mean, we haven't talked about the QBs at all. Um, it is also important to mention that despite the Jets being really bad, Michael Carter, Elijah Bear Tucker, Elijah Moore, all having good, great seasons. Michael Carter the second, I would say, is having a great season. I would, you can't say Elijah Moore's season's been great, but he's certainly turned a corner. And I think he's starting to turn show the player that he was in training camp. So, you know, looking at like that, his draft classes are playing well. And I think that is the biggest thing that's given me hope for the future. And if Zach Wilson comes back and has a strong second half of the season, I think the tune on the season changes a lot more, especially if the defense can become at least competent. Um, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Cause obviously that was the biggest news this, this week. Uh, Zach Wilson, not starting against Miami. They're going to start Joe Flacco. So not Mike White either. They say Zach Wilson's not fully healthy. Some people are saying maybe they're protecting him because Miami runs a lot of man blitz, complicated system. And we saw it with Darnold his rookie year. He really struggled against Miami. Uh, do you think the Jets are hiding Zach Wilson here? Do you think if this was the Texans this week that he would play? Or do you think that maybe they're being smart about his injury? I mean, a, a PCL sprain is not, is you know, it's not a, it's a serious injury. I mean, I will say Sala always referred to it as a four week injury. When I was listening to he go, you know, the four weeks with Zach out, whatever. I mean, he kept saying four week injury and I was going to miss four weeks. Um, do you think they're hiding him though? Or do you think this is more injury related than the, the conspiracy theorists would believe? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, there might be a little aspect of it, you know, because say, like you said, they were playing Houston this week or actually more so than the opponent. I would say, say that Zach Wilson played well over his first five games, would they, would he be able to go this week if they wanted to, because right now they're desperate to win games, obviously, would they be a little more inclined to throw him out there? Maybe a little bit, but I do think it probably is. Like you said, I think just playing it safe in a lost season, the last thing you want to do is increase, you know, the re-injury risk for your most prized player because you're two and seven and want to rush him back to play the Dolphins so I think they're just playing it safe and using the full length of the, of the timetable and he'll be back next week. Um, but I do think it is also fair to say that there probably is a little bit of, you know, it's just playing it safe. I think is all it is. It, if he, again, I think if he played better at the beginning of the season, they felt better about his chances of helping the team win games, get out of this funk right now, maybe he would play this week, but we know that's not the spot that he's in. So I think it is, uh, they are taking the safe route partially because of that reason. Um, but in terms of the Joe Flack over Mike White decision, um, I actually am okay with it. And overall, I wouldn't feel strongly either way. Uh, I don't think it's something that's signi- significant enough to feel too strongly about. But uh, I, I think it's the right decision just because, you know, all that really matters is, again, like I said, I think they're anticipating he'll be back for Houston. and. I think they just figure who gives us a better chance to win this week and they go with Flacco. So, right. um, you know, coming off the performance Mike White had, I think if he was competent and they played a close game, then they'd probably just stick with him, but he wasn't. So I think that it is uh, defensible to make a switch after that game, even though it is 
a quick poll, he is still at the end of the day, a backup quarterback and doesn't necessarily have a claim to the job. So um, I think it is a, a decision that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, look, they traded a, a pick for him. Uh, I think Mike White had a lot of success against uh, Cincinnati's zone defense, but this is a man defense. It's one that's designed to confuse young quarterbacks. Flacco's a veteran. I will say he did lose to them by 24 points in a shutout and took like a 30 yard sack last year playing the same defense, but different situation. Um, I, I don't hate it. And I think that Zach Wilson's return game is so huge for his confidence and for the momentum of the team. But it's like, all right, why not give him another week to make sure he's fully healthy and go play Houston? I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate the move. I mean, this team has historically been better at home, so maybe that that's part of it. But it's like, okay, you give him another week to get healthy. You can play the veteran that you, you traded a pick for who is not going to be flustered by this defense. I'm not saying he's going to have an amazing game, but I don't think he'll be embarrassing, uh, which is the, the risk you run playing Mike White. I think you show the locker room you're trying to do everything to win. And look, you avoid any of the more of the QB controversy, Zach Wilson, like whatever. It's like he just gets to watch a veteran quarterback play football. And I think that's valuable for him. So I'm like, and I think, you know, look, the Jets might get some criticism for that. But the other criticism that the Jets have gotten for the last two decades is that they're hanging their young quarterback out to dry. That they're, you know, they're killing him before he has a chance. They're just letting him get killed back there. It's like, look, the offensive line's had its issues. I think the offense has started to turn around. But it's, it is helpful to sit back and watch. It is helpful for Zach Wilson to sit back and watch. I mean, there's a certain point where, like, how much more can he learn? But, look, at this point, he'll get four games of sitting back and watching after playing, and then he gets to play again. It's almost like he had a bit of a halftime. So I kind of feel like, you know, they're helping the young quarterback out, not hanging him out there to dry. Um, and regardless of what happens on Sunday, I think he returns against Houston, against a team that isn't very good, a defense that's not very good. Um, maybe after a win, maybe not use Miami's not a great team. Maybe the jets can beat them, whatever it is. I think that you can kind of get some momentum going. And I just think that's big. I think Zach Wilson's confidence was really shaken after that week two new England home opener. I don't think he really fully recovered. Obviously he had the Tennessee game, but we haven't really seen him be that quarterback operating from the pocket in rhythm in timing that we saw in the preseason and we saw at the start of the Carolina game but he started getting smacked around in that game and he started to play backyard football and he just he, he ran into to some issues obviously the, the next few weeks doing that it worked against Tennessee but um, I'd like to see him come back and be more of that quarterback we saw in the preseason in rhythm measured uh, not playing backyard football. Uh, last thing, Michael, any predictions for this Sunday uh, against Miami starting Flacco? Um, I think this will be Corey Davis's big game. I think we'll see the down the vertical game kind of unleash a little bit. So let's go with the six for 100 performance for Davis. That'll be my prediction. I'm not going score prediction. I don't know what's going to happen. That's just one thing that kind of stands out to me as something that could uh, should happen. Uh, so you're telling me I should start Corey Davis in fantasy? Well, I'm actually starting Flacco in one league. It's a 18-team league, so <laughs> it's very slim pickings. I have Stafford as my starter. He's on bye. Trey Lance is my backup. So as soon as the news was announced, I scooped up Flacco, and I'm ready to ride with the guy who has a 158.3 passer rating this year. He looks exceedingly un- ugly in that number 19 Jets jersey. Yes. The yes. helmet of his. I mean, that's just what a fall from grace from going for number two with the headband and the arm sleeve. And now it's just like Joe Flacco's bulbous helmet and the worst quarterback number. All right. And the baggy sleeves, bringing back Darnold's baggy sleeves. 
All right, let's get out of here. Um, oh, I guess you don't want to give a prediction. I said the Jets won this one. Oh, wait, hold on. This is, you know what? It's kind of going to what we were saying earlier. Every time I predict a score prediction, I should knock off two wins or kind of lower all my expectations a peg or two. It's kind of like George and Seinfeld doing the opposite of his instincts every time. So I, I want to say a win. So I'm going to say a loss, but therefore I think the Jets win. That's my galaxy brand 40 chess that we're playing here on this podcast. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what's going to happen. Take um, 10 points off your prediction. Okay. I, I think Michael Carter has a nice game, the running back. I think uh, I like I like his uh, his prospects and as far as in the receiving game especially, but also in the running game. He's been super impressive to me. Um, I can't remember the last time I really saw a Jets running back that I was that impressed by. I mean, it is amazing yeah, how we how really often... need to appreciate this more. We were hyping up Elijah McGuire for doing whatever he did. <laughs> Michael Pirine had a couple goal line touchdowns. It is absurd. The first guy never tackles him. It's absurd. I mean, the first guy like damn near always falls off Michael Carter, which is insane. I don't think. I mean. You know, the beginning when I was really started to pay attention, I got a little older. You know, it's like we had Thomas Jones. He was pretty great. Liam Washington, uh, who's actually the running backs coach. He was very shifty and fun to watch. LT, Sean Green. But after that, like, I don't think we've had a running back that's been this fun to watch. I mean, Chris yeah, Ivory is, was kind of cool. rookies. This is the best running back season they've had since Chris Ivory in 2015. That's fun. To and watch. It, that's, it could that's be awesome. better than that, considering the, the two-way aspect. He's been a legitimately one of the better running backs in the league this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the Jets actually finally have a player that fantasy football players want to have. Exactly. Play. Yeah, and Ty Johnson, he's interesting too because he has, he has, I, I kind of want to say he's bad contact balance, but like great balance, if that makes any sense. Where it's like he's not breaking many tackles, and it seems like if he does get pushed, he's kind of always falling off balance. But his ability to just stay in that zone where he's like on his tippy toes and about to fall over is like second to none. Um, so uh, Ty Johnson's an interesting prospect to me. I mean, I feel like he's gotten better as the season goes on. But anyways, let's get out of here. We digress. You can follow us at COJ Pod on Twitter, Michael Michael underscore Nania, myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go. For Jets content, Michael, any last words? Uniform prediction? Green on green, green socks. But, oh, but you know what? That was going to look kind of cool with, with Zach, but like with Joe Flacco's baggy – Oh, God, just go green and white then, I guess. I don't I, want to see green on green Flacco. I think it will be all green. I agree. I thought it was going to be, but I don't want to see that with Flacco and his helmet and his baggy sleeves. Just going to be too much. Well, they, they, they still did black when he, he played last year. Yeah, but he was a number five. Five Flacco was fine. I mean, he wasn't great, but like it was a 19 Flacco is just like. I'm trying to think of a comparison. It looks like why Michael did they allow that? Just, it looks like Michael Jordan in 45. Not like, fair to the viewers. It's not pleasing for your eyeballs. It just doesn't look right at all. I don't know. Yeah, he should change his number to anything. Literally anything else. Just do nine. No, it's Josh oh no, Johnson. Josh Johnson has nine. Is uh, how about seven? No, Brady Man has seven. Six is how about uh, Amendola. Three. Three would look gross on Flacco. I don't know. Four. Four. Four is available, right? Yeah. 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 All right, you should do four. Anyways, let's get out of here. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, don't let the Jets ruin your life. Honestly, maybe don't even watch them. Just, you know, follow along on your phone, see how it's going. Watch, Maybe watch with one eyeball open, but be prepared to have something. You know, maybe schedule something for about like two o'clock. And um, if it's going well, you can just cancel on those plans. That's, that's what I would do. 
Um, but I'm not going to sit and watch another. I've watched the entire, I watched the entire entirety of all these blowouts, except maybe the Patriots one. So uh, I'm, we can't do that anymore. It's just bad for us. So I recommend you do the same. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Jets. We'll be back next week.